week. Um, we had uh, a little visit from Mr. COVID, and um, we're glad that's in the rearview mirror. And then we have several families uh, that are dealing with this. Good news is, it's, you know, as it is now, it doesn't usually even put you in the hospital, but boy, it sure makes you want to go there. And uh, so be, continue to pray for some families that have got COVID. And uh, we're just, like I say, very grateful to be back with you. Well, you know, we started our series on Biblical Mindset Training, BMT, and we're learning this summer, okay, um, to do life through the lens of God's Word. So we're going to spend the entire summer looking at Ephesians chapter 6 with the armor of God and just looking and how, how we should view life and do life, um, in the, especially in this day of culture um, that we have. So we're looking forward, I really am looking forward to this. We started out, well, two weeks ago uh, because of the COVID interruption, um, but we started out talking about taking the oath. And, and that day, two things really jumped out at me. One is, you know, we imagined ourselves sitting across from Jesus Christ as the recruiter. Uh, he's wanting to, you know, we're asking questions about joining him. And he, you know, he asked us questions, we asked him questions. But one of the things Jesus said was that, you know, your love for him has to make all other loves pale. In other words, your love for him has to, to, to make your love for your, your, your mother, your father, your wife, your children, your job, even your own life, even look like hate. That's how strong the love had to be. And then we talked about the fact that we need to be sure and count the cost. Um, how many times do preachers tell you, you know, say, oh, all you do is pray a prayer and ta-da, you get to go to heaven, and that's all there is to it. Well, for salvation, a sincere prayer from the heart is the tool that God can use to bring you into his family, but that's not all there is to it because then you begin this awesome journey of learning how to be like Jesus Christ. And it's just like the military, that one day I raised my hand and took an oath to protect and defend the Constitution of the United States and to obey the orders, by the way, of those appointed over me. And then they spent the rest of the time in basic teaching me to have the mindset, not of a, a civilian, but as a soldier. And that's just like it is with us. You know, we are saved in a moment in time when we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. But then we spend not six weeks, not six years, but the rest of our lives learning what it means to be a disciple, a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. So that was week number one. And then God's providence intervened, and I believe it was exactly that. And our brother Jeremy last week did an awesome job preaching on John chapter 3 and re-solidified what we had talked about. The fact that you know, he used John 3 said, you know, you've got to be born again. And that's what we talked about the first week. So that really solidified. And he just did an awesome job. I said, Jeremy, you didn't teach that week. You preached, man. And he really, really did and did a great job. And so that leads us now into this week's message. And it's an intriguing title, Just Ask Little Red Riding Hood. And um, let, let me give this to you. And stay with me before you, you say, well, that's silly. Stay with me, okay? Now, um, this group was not quite as popular um, as the Beatles, that's tongue-in-cheek. But the year is 1966, and here's the group. It was Sam the Sham and the Pharaohs. Does anybody remember Sam? Yeah, there are some. How about that? Well, they came up with this song, and, and I, it's a really, it really is a great introduction for this message. So stay with me, and we'll, we'll nail it down with some scripture. Um, it starts, I practiced this. It starts out with, <clears> Oh! <throat> And then here's what it goes. Who's that I see walking in these woods? Why? It's Little Red Riding Hood. And then it goes, Hey there, Little Red Riding Hood. 
You sure are looking good. You're everything a big bad wolf could want. Listen to me. Now, you can probably already see the spiritual illustration of that. Because that is a picture of our enemy. He looks and sees those around us. And he says, my, 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 you are looking so good. You're looking so vulnerable. You're looking like someone that I could easily devour. And I love, I love these last three words. Listen to me. Because that's what he says. That's what he told Eve in the garden. Just listen to me. Just listen to me. Now, to bring home the spiritual application, of course, it's 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse number 8. And, and Peter writes and says, stay alert. Watch out. I like the King James Version. You know, be sober. Be serious-minded. Be vigilant. Be alert. Watch out for your great enemy. Your great enemy, the devil. Now, I hope you understand that if there is a Jehovah God, there is an enemy. And the devil is a real creature, okay? And his demons are in the thousands and millions. So watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He, just like the song, he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And you need to understand that. That the devil is real. He's not a, a, a creature in a little red suit with a pitchfork. You know, something we make jokes about. He is a formidable foe and we need to be alert on him because he is looking for someone to devour. And we want to spend our time today taking a look at this enemy and what is our way to win over him? Now, there's a quote from Alyssa Howard, Alyssa Howard, and it says this. God calls us to renew our minds daily. And again, if you're taking notes, you probably already know this verse, but in case you don't, it's Romans chapter 12 and verse number 2. And, and that part of, of that verse 1 and 2, verse 2 says this. You know, don't be conformed to the world, but rather be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable, the perfect will of God. See, culture wants to pressure us, and certainly the enemy, enemy wants to pressure us to be conformed to the world. And the answer to that, the spiritual answer to that, is no, 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 no. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good, acceptable, the perfect will of God. Now, now the rest of the quote says everything. You know, you know, God calls us to renew our minds daily, okay, because, now write this down, the real battlefield, the real battlefield, the place where we fight the enemy and his lies occurs in the mind. This is what Satan, for us, for us, you know, he wants to keep the hearts of the lost, but, but for us Christians, this is what he's battling for. He understands and knows what Scripture teaches is that if he can gain the mind, he gains your life. He can't get your soul, but if he can gain your mind, he gets your, uh, your life. Okay, so, so we need to be aware where the real battlefield is, and we need to know that that's where the real enemy is fought. That's where his lies are defeated. It's in our mind. You know, Proverbs chapter 4 and verse number 23 um, says, Above everything else, guard your heart. And the heart and mind in these instances are just wed together. You know, above everything else, guard your heart, because out of it come 
the issues of life. In, in Philippians chapter 4, in verse number 6 and 7, Paul writes these words. Now, the first one is just a little bit of candy for us, okay? All right? Don't worry about anything. Can somebody say amen? We are worry warts, all right? But he says, don't worry about anything. Rather, he gives the answer, but instead, in everything, through prayer and petition, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Wow, how strong is that? But here's the part that really fits in this morning. And the peace of God. When, when we learn, when we learn to present our requests, our prayer and petitions with thanksgiving, when we do that, we get something. We get the peace of God. And what does the peace of God do for us? The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So if we believe that the battlefield is the mind, how are we going to protect our mind? Okay, when we start understanding that, we're going to pray. And we're going to pray believing. We're going to pray spiritual prayers. We're going to pray spiritual prayers, believing, and we're going to be filled with gratitude, and God's going to give us his peace, and that peace will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. It's huge, guys. It's huge. This is the battlefield. This is what, in your life as a believer, Satan is after. So our teaching point says this. Whatever draws your mind away from God, whatever steals your heart from Jesus, is an enemy of the soul. That is so, so strong. Whatever, what is it? Ask yourself this question. What is it that draws your mind away from God? What is it do you find constantly a battle with you that's pulling you, you're pulling your mind away from God? What is Satan toying with in your mind? Whether it be a, a habit, a thought process, what is it that Satan is toying around with your mind to pull that, pull your mind away from God? I promise you it's something. I promise you something. All right? And then, and then, whatever steals your heart from Jesus, what is Satan using to steal your heart? What is Satan using to steal your loyalties? To steal your commitment? To steal your deal with Jesus and with God? What is he doing? What's he pulling away? Because I promise you, he's got something he's working on your mind, and he's got something he's trying to steal your heart. And those are, listen... Those are the enemies of your soul. Now, here's the crazy part. If you don't remember anything else, remember this. They may not look bad. It may, it may be an obvious sin. It may be something you've wrestled with. It may be a porn habit. It may be a drug habit. Um, it may be this bitterness that you've just held on to. You know, there's a person you hate. You hate them 25 years ago, and you hate them just as much. It would be a mom or dad who allowed abuse to go on. It could be a husband who cheated on you. But there's something there going on in your mind and heart. And it's stealing away your closeness with God. What, what is it that's stealing your heart. What is it that's pulling your mind away from God? And it could be something that looks awful good. It could be something you enjoy in life. But the problem is, you've enjoyed it. Mm, mm. You've enjoyed it so much, it just starts looking a little bit like idolatry. You love it so much, it's slowly pulling your loyalty. Away from the one who saved you. It may be a great thing. 
It may be neutral. It may be a neutral thing. But whatever it is, look at me. Whatever it is. Now don't you don't sit there and say, Oh, I don't got it. I don't have anything that pulls my mind. I don't have any son, you need to wake up and smell the coffee. You do. You do. There is something vine for your heart, and there's something vine for your mind. And if you're not careful, it'll steal your mind, steal your heart. Whatever it is, is an enemy of the soul. It may be something I like. See, I am I am a diabetic in denial. I found out as a diabetic in denial that there are two things. Um, one is I found out if I don't check my sugar, I never know how bad it is. Oh yeah, you just don't take it. Trouble is could be damaging my body. He said, well, Dwayne, why wouldn't you take your sugar? Because I like sugar. A lot. I mean, I like carbs. I like mashed potatoes. I like, I like bread. I like skeddy. I like all them things. But shoot that thing. You take them carbs and put them in a blackberry pie or pecan pie or an apple pie. Oh! Good. And I love it. I love it. In fact, I love it so much, I'm willing to risk hurting my body to have it. And look at me. You're sitting here today. And you know there's something going on in your life. And you figure you'll just ignore it. And you're willing to risk your spiritual health to have it. Can I have an amen? amen? Watch out for this, folks. Watch out for this. Listen, you need to know what consumes your mind controls your life. Satan knows this. If he can consume your mind with his thoughts and his habits and his processes... He knows he'll have control of your life. Again, he can't take your soul. But he can sure grab a hold of your mind. And we've got to believe this. You see, the next teaching point puts the same truth in a different way. You know, you steer where you stare. You know, you're driving down the highway, and if your attention is drawn away to this side or to that side, you'll find yourself drifting toward that. We were just going to Marion the other night, and I, and I said, Judy, look, and there's like 25 or 30 deer. And I did not look that long, but I will tell you this, in the short time I looked, my steering wheel drifted this way. You steer where you stare, and it's not true, just true in your car. It's true in your life. When you, get your, when you get your stare off of the Savior, you're going to steer in the wrong direction. Somebody say, amen, that's just stinking good. As we do life, if we do life, and we find ourselves staring somewhere besides that Jesus, what happened to, ooh, what happened to Peter? Peter got out walking on water, but when he saw that the waves were boisterous, he began to sink. And when we start staring at something besides Jesus... We're going to steer 
in the wrong direction. Craig Rochelle says, Your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. In other words, you're going to find that your lifestyle, okay, reveals your mindset. He's saying that whatever is your strongest thoughts are in your mind, you're going to find that thing, move your life moving in that direction. You know, that's exactly what Paul had in mind in Romans chapter 8 and verse number 5, the first part. You know, he said this, For those who live according to the flesh have their mindset on the things of the flesh. See, see what, what we just learned is, is that our life, the way we live, Reveals our mindset. The way we live reveals our mindset. See, we sit there and we say, Oh, I just love Jesus and I care for Jesus. You know, somebody said a long time ago, and boy, I've heard it more than once in my preaching career. You know, if you really want to see where somebody is with God, check their calendar and their checkbook. Their calendar and the checkbook. I'm just simply saying here that, that what I know is, is that your, your mindset is revealed by the way you live. And that's what Paul is saying. It's a biblical thing. For those who live according to the flesh have their mindset on the things of the flesh. You, your, your mouth may say one thing, but your actions reveal your mindset and your mindset controls your actions. Well, here's what Paul said. You know, Paul said in Galatians 5, 19 and 21, I call this fleshy things. Fleshy things. This is just what he's talking about. He said, you know, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, okay? So you've got the sinful nature and you've got a sinful mind, okay? So when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, and notice, by the way, he's writing to the church of Galatia. He's writing to the church of Galatia. You know, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. And some of these we go... That would never be a part of my life. And you might be right, but not all of them. So what I want you to do is, while we go through this list, check your list. What is it in your life that reveals your mindset that simply is displeasing to God? Here's his list. Sexual immorality. Could be fornication. Could be adultery. Okay. Could be, you know, porn issues, whatever. Um, Impurity. I like what one commentary said. Simply means a dirty mind and a dirty heart. What it means. Um, lustful pleasures, uncontrolled appetites. Could be like sugar. Or like smoking. Or like other things. Idolatry. I, the worship of other events. When 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 anything, when something comes before God, when 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 you're going and doing life, and all of a sudden you look, and what was in the rearview mirror is now in the front of the mirror because you're following a different God, that's idolatry. You know, we worship God, we should, we should, we should worship God, love people, and use things. But when idolatry becomes a part of our life, we find out that we use people, love self. And worship things. And God's just left out. We live in a culture of idolatry. You go to some places in the world. And they have nothing. Besides their. their, Like if you're in a Muslim country. You know their worship of Allah as a false god. But they don't have the cars. And the houses. And the labels. And the retirement. and, and, And the play things that we've got. They don't worship those because they have no clue. In America we've got all of that. Man this is a very idolatrous place to live. You've got to be careful. You've got to be careful. 
Um, sorcery is, is the Greek word pharmacia, okay, and deals with drugs. Drugs of different sorts. It could be the marijuana situation. It could be alcohol. Um, it could be all the hard drugs, anything like that. Um, and these, now starting right here, you know, you might say those things won't be a part of my life, but right, right here it gets personal. Like hostility. You know, guys, as teenagers, when your mom and dad just really get under your skin and you have a little bit of a hostile feeling toward them, hostility, um, quarreling, jealousy, outburst of anger. <laughs> I remember when I hit my foot on the end of the bed about a month ago. I wrote about it in my grits. I think I had an outburst of anger. Um, selfish ambitions. Dissension, division, envy, drunkenness. And you know, you can be on drunk on more things than just alcohol or drugs. Wild parties and other sins like these. That's, that's Paul's list. What's on your list? What is it that's, that's pulling your mind away from God, okay? Or what is stealing your heart? From Jesus. What is it? Well, well, Paul goes on and he says in, in uh, Romans 8, 5b, he gets the other side of the coin. He says, but, but to those who live according to the Spirit. Aha. Uh-huh. So it was according to the flesh, but now it's according to the Spirit. They have their minds set on the things of the Spirit. See, isn't that cool? You know, he says, again, your mind reveals your life. And so, so again, if, if your mindset is fleshy, it's going to look fleshy. Your life is going to look fleshy. But, but if your mind is spiritual, it's going to look spiritual. That's all that he's saying. This is a, this is a great judge. You know, when we had COVID um, last week, you know, we were constantly checking our temperature. You know, we, would, we needed a gauge. This is a great gauge. You know, you'll sit there, here you are sitting here today, and you're going, okay, where I am, where am I in my, in my sanctification, my, my pathway with Jesus, my discipleship pathway? This is a good test. Look at your life and it'll reveal your mind. And your mind controls your acts, your, your flesh. All right, in this case, you know, check it out. You know, is your mind spiritual and, and is your life filled with spirit? Well, Dwayne, what does that look like? Well, Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23. And this is what we studied last summer, if you remember correctly. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. You know, like love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. And there's no law against these things. Okay, so, so the question is, what's your mindset? What list did you most identify with? What list did you most... Or, if that's not the right list for you, on your list, what does it reveal about your mindset? Well, finally, in Romans chapter 8, verse 6, you know, he, he kind of gives a, a summary statement, if you will. Okay, in Romans 8, 6, he says, Now, the mindset of the flesh is death. Write this down and remember this. What, when sin touches something, something dies. When sin touches something, something dies. Now the mindset of the flesh is death, but the mindset of the spirit is life 
and peace. You know, when James was writing um, in James chapter 1, verse 13 and 14, you know, he's talking about temptation. And he says, so, so we are enticed, we're baited, we're pulled away by our desires. And our desires will then lead to sin. And this is the part I really like. James says, and sin, when it is fully grown... I like this. Gives birth to death. Isn't that cool? Sometimes the verbiage that God led these men and women to use, these men to use, is just amazing. Now, the mindset of the flesh is death, but the mindset of the spirit is life and peace. Remember what Jesus said in John 10:10? You know, Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it how? More abundantly. More abundantly, okay? And the mindset of the, of the spirit is life and it is peace. So, so, we, so if it's true we've got this battle going on, okay, then to make sure we understand what our mindset is, we need to look at our actions. Our actions are truth. They will tell you the truth about your mindset. We, we, you know, Jesus, uh, Jeremiah said, you know, the heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? And I think it's true of the mind. Our minds will lie to us. Our actions won't. Our actions won't. If we let them, they'll reveal where we really, really are. So, with all that said, how do we win? How do we overcome this enemy? And how do we have victory in our minds? In our minds. And that's really what we're going to spend the rest of the summer looking at, okay, but we want to start today in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse number 10. Okay? Now, if you remember, in Ephesians chapter uh, 5 and 6, he talks about the family, he talks about the husband, talks about the wife, talks about the children. He even talks about relationships between masters and slaves and slave and masters. Okay? And then he says this in verse number 10. In Ephesians 6, 10, a final word, he says. Be strong. Now, don't miss this. Be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. There is a big key. Because see, we all try to live the Christian life. Okay? And what we find out is we're not good at that. In fact, we're really bad at it. In fact, the truth is we can't live the Christian life. I mean, we understand. Woohoo! We under we we understand that we're saved by grace and that we couldn't do that. But somehow, somebody taught us that if we if we try hard enough, we can live the Christian life. You can't. You couldn't save yourself, and you can't live the Christian life yourself. Well, Dwayne, how do we do it? Then it's right there. Be strong in the Lord. And in His mighty power. He does in us and through us what we can't do ourselves. The, the purpose, one of the purposes of the Holy Spirit, and there are many, but one of the purposes of the Holy Spirit is to empower us to live the Christian life. It enables us to say no when we say no, and yes when we need to say yes. It enables us to, to live a life that matches, hopefully, a spiritual lifestyle. Okay, that's, that's what can happen in our lives. Now, let's look at our teaching point. Okay, um, the Christian life, you know, write this down. The Christian life is not us doing. 
Because we can't do it. Hey, guys, grab this as young people. You can't. I mean, you know, it's Friday night, you're out on a date, and, and you know, and you're temp- and you know what I mean? You know, you can't. You know, somebody said a long time ago, you decide, you need to decide what's going to happen on your Friday night day, date long before Friday night. You got to decide what's going to happen in the car long before it happens in the car. Okay? So, so the Christian life is not us doing, but Him doing through us. That's what it is. That's the victory. That's the power over Satan. Not our fleshly abilities, but his mighty power living and working out through us. Woodrow Kroll says this. Woodrow Kroll says, With the power of God within us, we need never fear the powers around us. Isn't that good? With the power of God in us, we never need fear the powers, the evil one around us. So Paul says in verse number 11, he says, so listen, put on, put on all of God's armor. Now, that's, that's what we're going to do throughout the summer. Now, my goal is to not teach this like we've always heard it. The truth obviously will be the same, but I hope to present it in a fresh way um, that, we can, that we can grasp it and apply it to our lives. Put on all of God's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. Oh, he, listen, he is a fearsome foe in his strategies, you know. You know, he convinced Eve that, that his way was better than God's way. Uh, he, he convinced Eve that the tree that she was not supposed to eat one was wholesome, was good for food, uh, to make one wise. He is good at that. He wants, he wants to mess with your brain. He wants to mess with your brain. So, so we got to put on the armor of God, and we're going to do all summer doing that, okay? So we can stand firm against the strategies of the devil. Now, Hallie Lining, Hallie Lining, just a, a teacher, you know, um, came up with these five things, these five strategies to defeat us, okay? Um, one is distraction. He's good at that. Have you noticed how Satan won't mess with you until you start doing God stuff? And as soon as you start doing God stuff, he'll put something else in your life to pull you away from that. That's just the truth. I've never seen it happening more than it's happening now. Distraction. Discouragement. We just went through two years that have been very, very discouraging. Satan knows that. He promotes that. He, you know, he talks about, you know, aren't you discouraged? You know, we won't win. You know, you know, God's going to lose. And the, you know, it's all going to be bad. You know, negative, 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 negative. Turn off the news. Turn off the news. Now, the weather channel is pretty safe. But turn off the news. Discouragement. Discontentment. You don't have what everybody else has, so you're unhappy. No matter how much God has given you, you're unhappy. Defection. Mm. Benedict Arnold. Peter. Judas. Being a traitor to God. Being a traitor to God. And division. Five just strong strategies. We're going to look at this summer, not particularly those five strategies, but how can you be victorious over all? In James chapter 4 and verse 7 and 8, um, listen, you know, therefore, this is what James says, and this is a great overview of how you take care of those strategies. Therefore, submit to God. Surrender to God. Okay? Resist the devil and he will flee from you. 
draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. So hopefully this summer, we're going to talk a lot about that. We're, we're, going, to, we're going to talk about how do we submit, how do we surrender to God? How do we surrender our hearts to God, our minds to God? How do we surrender? How do we resist the devil? And the Bible promises that he'll flee from us. We can draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. So, one more, a couple more points here. Um, we need to understand who are we fighting? Who are we fighting? In Ephesians 6.12, um, Paul writes and says this. Now, now get this. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. We are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. Eli, I throw in that teaching point right there. You know, you need to understand this. Your enemy is not your spouse. You think she is or you think he is. He's not. And by the way, kids, students, it's not your parents either. It's not your parents. Your enemy is not your spouse. It's not your children. It's not your family and it's not your friends. It's not the person sitting next to you or across the room from you. Your enemy knows no political party or denomination. Let me be clear here. Your enemy is Satan. Period. Period. Your enemy does not have blood pumping through his or her veins. Your enemy is Satan. And he... He wants to steal your mind because he can't steal your heart. He wants your integrity. He wants your character. He wants you to sin against God. And we have got to be victorious through the Lord Jesus Christ with this. Now back to that verse, Eli, 6.12. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities... Of the unseen world. I hope you are wise enough to understand there is a creature named Satan and he has millions of imps and demons that work for him. I hope you understand if Jehovah God is real, Satan is also real. Don't cast his... See, if he, can, if he convinced you that he's not, then you're right where you know, he wants you. Right where he wants you. We fight against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, against evil spirits in heavenly places. There's a guy sitting on the second row here named Mark. He can tell you all about warfare. He can tell you all about spiritual warfare as a missionary in Brazil. I can tell you about a time when I was asked to go preach at a small church in Uganda, the team stayed behind, only Judy and I went. And we were in a dark room, probably not much bigger than, no, about the size, it's smaller than a stage. And I preached, and it was well received, and oh, seven, eight, nine, ten people went forward, and uh, we prayed over them. And I went back to my seat, and suddenly, this woman erupted with shrieks. And sounds that can only tell you were not human. And they wrestled her to the ground, overpowering a couple of men. And I watched this. And frankly, Mark, my mouth was just open. I'm going, what in the world? I'm trying to pray, but it was so difficult even to pray. And so finally they wrestled her down and she stopped. 
And they, they let her up, sit in the chair, and she was weeping softly. And then it happened all over again. And they carried her out of the building, and we could hear the shrieks coming out of her outside the building. What do you think that was? You tell what I know it was. It was evil. It was demon possession. Don't you dare think. Don't you dare think this thing does not occur. And it doesn't occur just in Africa either or Brazil. We fight a very, very real foe. We fight enemies in heavenly places. Now, our next teaching point, final teaching point says this. God's word tells us that Satan is a liar. He's the father of lies. He's a thief. He's a deceiver. He's the enemy. He's the tempter. And many, many, many more. Now get this. He is not to be toyed with. But he is defeated in the name of Jesus. Amen? He's not to be toyed with. Now listen. We've all seen... We've all seen a cat play with a mouse. Satan's not to be toyed with. But there is a cat who can bat him around. It's called the lion. (laughs) The lion of Judah. The lion of Judah. Your God is greater than the God of this world. But we've got to leave that to Him. We've got to leave that to Him. We've got to let Him battle. The battle's not ours. The battle belongs to the Lord. The battle belongs to the Lord. So let's close with that First Peter 5, 8 one more time. You know it's one of my favorite verses. Stay alert. This summer, as we take this on, stay alert. Um, as we live in this post-Christian culture in America, um, watch out. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Take this seriously. Take this seriously this summer. Um, God may well use this series to save your marriage, to save your children, your family. That that blessing song, isn't that powerful? That's what God wants for us. He wants to pour his blessing and pray his blessing over us. God may use this information applied into our lives to give us the victories that we need. Victories we've been praying for. Victories we've been praying for. So we come down to our time of decision. And we didn't talk a lot about this. But this is, this is it. You might be here today and you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus. And those are Christian words that you may not get. But the Bible, the bottom line is the Bible teaches us that we've all sinned against God. We are born sinners and we're sinners by choice. And that we, the payment for that sin was death. And that, and that God sent his son Jesus to pay for that sin. A payment we could make ourselves. And so that's what the cross was all about. That day he bled and died that we could have forgiveness. And we'll believe that he bled and died and believe that he resurrected. God promises to forgive us of our sins. That's what we talked about week one and week number two with Jeremy. So today maybe you're here and you need to ask God to forgive your sins. And my friend Brent's going to be down front. And man, we would love to share with you about that. We would love to tell you uh, how you can have Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. All the rest of us. There's only two kinds of people here. People who have trusted Jesus and people who have not yet. But all of you who have trusted Jesus, 
Why not make this a Sunday of commitment for you? I know we can't make all the Sundays, but that's all right. The messages are going to be online. But we can say, God, would you take this summer and help me to learn? Would you help me to absorb what we're going to be taught over these few nine weeks or so um, and apply it to my life? And then, and then pray for your marriage. And then pray for your children. And pray for your parents. Pray for your parents. Pray for one another. Pray for another. That God's protection uh, would be on them and on you. Let's pray. Wow, Father, boy, what a privilege it is. What a privilege to stand before these dear people today and preach your word. And God, I am grateful that's a no contest. I am grateful that Satan is already defeated. And Father, I'm grateful he can't steal my heart. But I know he loves to mess with my brain. Father, I want to pray that I will learn over this summer how to guard my heart and guard my mind. I pray, Father, for these dear people who come to Dorsville and the ones who are going to listen on the Internet and the ones who listen on Facebook Live and the ones who listen on the radio. I pray for us, Father, that we will grasp and hold on to um, the truth as you present it to us. Father, there's someone here today or someone listening on Facebook who's never made that commitment to Christ. Holy Spirit, will you draw, will you speak, will you make clear their need of a Savior today and then give them the faith to believe. And Father, for us, for us, help us to trust you in the days, weeks, and months ahead. And Jesus, we pray this in your precious name.